Hey, it's Tara Jean. Just a little message from the heart before we get into this next Season 4 bonus episode on the International House of Prayer. What's coming up includes talk of sexual clergy abuse. Please take care. As well, the opinions expressed in this episode are people's initial reactions to very disturbing allegations in their former religious community. None of this has been proven in court. And there's also a fair bit of swearing in this episode, so don't get caught off guard. You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production. I think the craziest thing to me after the allegations came out, it really was, to use a a biblical idea, like scales fell from my eyes. And listening back to Mike and his sermons and the people around him and everything he said, it is so insane. This is Heaven Bent. I'm Tara Jean Stevens. The guy claims that Gabriel spoke to him. The guy claims that God spoke to him, that he was visited by a literal angel. This guy sets himself up as a prophet, as a voice in the wilderness, as a David figure. This is the second season four bonus episode as I continue my spotlight on the International House of Prayer in Kansas City, Missouri. And this is Isaac Cole, a former IHOPer who was raised in this community. This is his reaction to the news in recent weeks that IHOP's founding leader, Mike Bickle, has been accused of sexually and spiritually abusing several different women over decades. And it's fucking crazy. How was it that so many people in my life, my mother, who I consider to be a very smart person, my father, my my grandmother, all of these people in my life were not able to see through, a, and including myself, could not see through a fucking carpet bag salesman who was trying to sell his legacy. At this point in November 2023, no charges have been laid against Mike Bickle. Also, I still have not received a response to any of my requests for comment to IHOP regarding Season 4. But as I always have been, I remain open to having people from IHOP be a part of this. And I do kind of have an update on that. Sort of. I don't know. Last week, after more than a year of sending emails to IHOP and people at IHOP, I did finally receive an email from an IHOPKC.org email account. And it was a bit mysterious, as it was not signed by any one person. It just kind of indicated that it was from IHOP Press. And if you're curious, it read, Hello, It is our understanding that you would like to speak to someone in our organization. Please provide the best contact information. Someone will be in touch very soon. And I did write them back and told them that connecting with them was really meaningful to me. And I absolutely mean that. And I told them that, yes, I wanted to talk with someone in their organization, but they have yet to respond to that. So we'll see where it goes. Meanwhile, 
for the former IHOPers who have been crying out for help for this place for years. This news, these allegations against Mike, it's forcing them to face the reality that things might be even more of a nightmare than they previously thought. You know, a lot of people talk about how Mike doesn't have a lot of money and, you know, he lives this humble lifestyle and all that might be true. I don't think Mike cares about any of that stuff. He's not the kind of guy who gives a shit if he drives, you know, a Bugatti or, a, uh, you know, a Toyota because he's one of these guys who just, in my opinion, really wants a legacy, wants to be remembered, wants to be counted among these holy men of God and these great movers and shakers. And <clears throat> I think the thing that makes me so mad is that that was given to him by so many people who should know better. I should have known better. All my friends around me should know better. We all should have seen what this was because it's so plain now. It's so plain now that we know what is likely the truth, in my opinion, what I think is probably true is that this guy was a liar, a serial liar for years who wanted to aggrandize himself and raise himself up above so many other people. And I think that that is what makes me so mad because the entire leadership team is like that now too. All of those slime balls, those spineless slime balls did not care about the people that they needed to protect. And it just makes me so furious. But, you know, I think there should have been somebody at the wheel before this. There should have been somebody in the church who was not just looking to protect another ministry because it would look bad if they started talking about how fucking crazy IHOP was. And it's crazy. And it's why there's so much rampant abuse in this sector of the church. It's because all these people are buddies. All of them are friends. They all go to the same conferences. They all pay each other. They all line each other's pockets. And all of them are friends. And they all protect each other because they all think that because Mike was nice to me at a conference, he seems like a nice guy. That means he couldn't possibly abuse people. And people need to get that out of their mind. I didn't know Mike Bickle. Nobody knew Mike Bickle, it seems. And it's just so infuriating because there should be higher standards for pastors. There should be higher standards for these people who are in charge of the spiritual well-being and psychological journeys of their flock. There's a reason people are talked about as sheep and pastors are talked about as shepherds and shepherds have responsibilities. And these shepherds have been sorely lacking in their responsibilities and they should be ashamed of themselves for putting their name behind a psychopathic serial sexual abuser, allegedly. On this episode, I'm going to answer some of your most commonly asked questions about these new developments, but also we'll hear some more reactions to the news, but also to season four itself a season that raised numerous concerns about IHOP culture, spiritual practices, and leadership. But especially in that final episode, episode six, it raised concerns specifically 
about the way leadership has been, perhaps, mishandling sexual assault and sexual abuse claims for decades. And with that, question number one. What exactly is Mike accused of? Honestly, depends on who you ask. In IHOP's very first public statement about it, and I'm going to go back to the beginning and then we'll play catch up here, but in the very first statement from IHOP, they called the allegations serious and that they involve sexual immorality. But in the public statement released by the former leaders who are sort of spearheading this effort to expose what they say is the truth, they are accusing Mike of sexual clergy abuse, which for clarity, for everyone listening, that's when someone in a ministerial role engages in sexual contact or even just sexualized behavior with a congregant, a staff member, a student. And in time, I'll be able to share more specifics about this alleged clergy sexual abuse and the alleged manner in which Mike groomed young women. But what I'm hearing right now, from my various sources, is so salacious and shocking and so sad, so unbelievable, that I just want to make absolutely sure that everything I share with you on Heaven Bent is true and that you hear this information from the mouths of people who can share it firsthand when they're ready. But for now, there's a great effort by many but not all to protect the privacy of the women who have come forward as victims or survivors. But not only those women, there's also the concern for the privacy of the women who are believed to have been sexually involved with Mike, who don't consider themselves victims. And for clarity, Mike is married. He's been married to his wife for more than 40 years. They have two sons and six grandchildren. Question number two, will there be an investigation? Yes. IHOP has just publicly released the findings of their initial investigation. More on that at the end of the episode. But who's doing this investigation is a highly contentious and evolving issue and has been pretty much like that straight out of the gate. So it started with an announcement at IHOP during Sunday morning service on November the 5th. That was about a week into the allegations going public. And the announcement was that, and I'll quote this like right from their statement, in accordance with best practices, we, IHOP KC, have retained a national law firm, Stinson LLP, to conduct an impartial examination of these allegations with the goal of assessing the merit and advising the ELT, the executive leadership, regarding appropriate steps to take. I think IHOP should absolutely be talking to lawyers. I think they're in huge trouble and a lawyer could be helpful. For more on the ELT's current decision to retain a law firm for the investigation, here's Jessica. She's a former IHOPer, but she's also an attorney. And that gives her an interesting perspective and set of concerns. She is not involved professionally with any of the matters at IHOP. This is just her expressing her professional and personal opinion. And please note too, she left me this voice memo before IHOP's November 10th announcement that because those representing alleged victims had expressed a lack of trust in Stinson, they were instead going with a local KC law firm, which has its own set of concerns that we can get into more in a moment. But I want you to hear Jessica's initial reaction to IHOP's Stinson decision 
So you know, like, why there was such a significant push to have IHOP KC go a different direction with the investigation. I hope that these victims all have legal counsel. Um, I think it's important that they find counsel who's familiar with and has experience with um, cases of this magnitude. Um, This is going to be extremely expensive. And so they need to find a law firm who has deep pockets um, because Stinson is going to bury, absolutely bury um, the victims in this case. If it comes to legal action, Stinson is a bulldozer. But then again, November 10th, IHOP was out with this announcement that it was no longer going with Stinson and instead with this new local firm, which IHOP has presently decided not to name publicly, a decision that has a lot of people speculating that it might be a lawyer from their own congregation, like a lawyer who's also friends with members of the ELT. And with more on that, here's a more recent voice memo from Jessica with her reaction to this update. From a legal perspective... It doesn't really matter. The fact that they're engaging a law firm to conduct the investigation means that their attorney-client privilege will stay intact and the findings of any report will remain completely confidential. And I don't know that people understand how these things work. Um, Basically, it's not uncommon for a company to hire a third-party investigation Um, to come in and do an investigation of claims. So, for example, we see this a lot in employment firms. If a company has an HR complaint, they might hire an outside employment firm to conduct a third-party investigation and create a whole file, you know, a whole report that's then given to that corporation, sharing with them all the information that they found. But what's very important to know is that the... In this situation, IHOP Corporation, or whatever they're called, is the client, and the congregation of IHOP is not the client, and the victims are not the clients, and the only people who will be privileged to that report and to those findings will be the very top leadership. That's the information that they own. And so to say, you know, we're hiring this third party, and it's going to give us answers, and we're going to keep you know, the church informed, we want transparency. That's not what this is. You know, I am not surprised by this because I think dodging accountability and creating an image from the pulpit or from your sermons or from your messages that's meant to manipulate and deceive the people is absolutely the pattern. I think it's the culture. I think it's the pattern. I think the leaders who are there now learned it from the leaders who were there before them. I think it's been going on for decades. I think that um, I would hope that no victim has a conversation with IHOP staff um, without their own counsel present um, because I think this process could easily be used to re-victimize. I think this process could be easily used to further manipulate And I think that would be a real tragedy. So as a former IHOPer, you know, this was my community as well. Um, I'm not surprised by what's going on. I'm not surprised by the news. I'm not surprised by 
uh, the accusations. I'm not surprised that this is the route IHOP has chosen to take while, you know, on the one hand, lawyering up and, you know, putting on their armor and on the other hand, preaching a message of humility and transparency to their to their church. Next question. What do the alleged victims want when it comes to this investigation? What do they want? And time will tell, I guess, because a lot of that is happening right now behind the scenes privately. But it's my understanding that they, and you may see their critics online calling them the accusers, it's my understanding that at least one of them is being represented by Ba's Law. It's also my understanding that the primary group of people who are advocating for the alleged victims, they are encouraging others who may have experienced abuse to also get in touch with Ba's Law, a firm that specializes in sexual abuse, a firm with Christian roots, and a firm that has a connection with grace. Now, Grace is the leading evangelical organization specializing in sexual abuse by religious organizations. It just really feels like everybody is lawyering up right now. And I want to be clear, I don't think there's anything wrong with IHOP getting a team of lawyers. They really should. They should get a team of lawyers, spill everything out, uncover every single thing, hold nothing back, and let those lawyers help them safeguard their interests and help them formulate a defense and, you know, protect themselves. That's the, that's the whole point of engaging with lawyers. And if, if the IHOP leadership team would stand at the pulpit and say, we have to safeguard our own interests here and we want to handle this through a law firm who can make sure to minimize damage and make sure to guide us through the legal issues, there would be nothing wrong with that. And actually, it would be more honest. And I think what would be a relief, at least for me, is if the IHOP leadership team would just be honest about which approach they've chosen. Are they going to safeguard their corporation? and their assets and shield themselves from civil and possibly criminal liability? Or are they going to be completely transparent and dig out the rot and let everything come to light that needs to come to light so that there can be an opportunity for healing and cleansing and moving forward? And right now they're doing neither. Since the release of season four, And in light of these new allegations against Mike, I've also been receiving lots of questions and comments and corroborating stories specifically related to Rachel's story back in episode two about the first time she met Mike. You might remember that she shared with us that really off-putting experience she had where she says he put his hands around her neck and sort of pinned her against the wall. She says he said to a leader nearby, You see this girl right here? I like this girl. Here's Rachel's reaction to the new developments. My original reaction when I heard the news about Mike Pickle's allegations was shock. Because honestly, I never would think um, something dark or sinister would have been going on. 
I knew that he had bound boundaries and that he was a little bit socially awkward and that he always said, I'm not a pastor, I'm an intercessor. And I just kind of like took him for what he was, even though I was uncomfortable due to my experience with him. Um, I always just excused it away. This is the first time I'm seeing it for what it is. And that is inappropriate. Like that really was inappropriate, even though I sat on it for 16 years and was afraid to talk about it because it didn't seem like anything much had happened to me. And I felt like I was making too big of a deal about it in my head. So I actually had never talked about that with anyone before I talked about it on the podcast. And the next reaction I had to the news was relief, just like a sigh of relief. Like, okay, I'm not crazy. Like, this place is definitely toxic. And it's not just Mike because you can't say, like, hey, this is a very tight-knit community, but only this one guy is involved in this. Like, nobody operates that level of abuse as far as the allegations that they have spoken of so far, saying how dark it is, how disturbing it is. I have no clue. But nobody gets to sit up on the high seat abusing women secretly and nobody knows or is enabling to some capacity making excuses for it I I just I can't accept that so that was basically the anger came next so I'm angry that the reaction from leadership was so gravely disappointing that no matter how much evidence mounts in front of their face they will deny 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 and cling to their own narrative and their own truth no matter what facts and they will call that satan they will say it's gossip they will demonize everything that does not align with their strategic narrative and you better believe that the only clarity that they were seeking, that they talked about, not secrecy, just seeking clarity, that's just trying to get their story straight between all of them. Trying to get the narrative straight so that they're consistent. And I've seen a few slips. By slips, Rachel's primarily referring to the accusations that I'm hearing anyway, that leadership lied to the congregation from the stage during one of those Sunday morning services, after the announcements about the allegations. And honestly, it's the same who-knew-what-when debacle that IHOP was in, is in, after Bethany Deaton died, tragically, in their community in 2012. They are pretty much saying, we just found out. And then there's these, you know, various other people that are saying, that's not true, you've known since this date because of this. You've known since this date because this happened. But when it comes to that first Sunday morning service, another thing that rubbed Rachel the wrong way was hearing last episode about Gracia's confrontation with Stuart Greaves, IHOP's executive director. And I'm, I'm just so disappointed that the leadership came across that shady. And then when they had this come up and talk to us about anything, victims, anyone, it's a safe place. But then you see Gracia at that meeting going forward, 
And guess what happens? She is not received. Like, it just goes to show you that's what's waiting for the victims. That's what's waiting for them. No wonder they're terrified to come forward. Like, I... So, yeah, there's my reaction. I'm pissed. I have tears in my eyes and I'm angry because these are women. Where are the men? I'm like, where are the men who are going to stand up actually for these women? And it's not just some boys club up in there where they're just going to locker room us out of there. Like, I don't understand. Like, these not only were women, but young, impressionable women and yeah, I'm just, I can't. Um, I'm really angry about it. You know what else I was thinking, reflecting back on my initial interview? I have a lot of different feelings now because um, I really did feel like the people there like burned me. But seeing how strong some of them that I really, truly loved when I was there are being and standing up, it just gives me a lot of hope. It's like something I've really wanted for over a decade is to see someone stand up to the leadership there and really call them to a higher standard of accountability. It's just been very healing and I... I feel a lot of forgiveness and I have a lot better perspective. So I just have a lot of love in my heart for the community. And I don't feel like so jaded, I guess I should say, where I had a negative experience, but the whole community did not treat me that way. Even though they were also dealing with the... I don't know what else to call it, but brainwashing that we all were victim to. So, yeah, I just don't feel that same resentment um, towards the community. Honestly... I have zero reactions to the recent developments because as a person who has moved past what has happened in this place and the impacts that it's had on my life. Next up, here's Micah Pryor and his gut reaction to the allegations against Mike. You might remember Micah from Season 4, Episode 5. He's a former IHOPper and has been advocating for himself and other alleged victims for years. I wondered if he was surprised. To me, it's not surprising because in the way that they have showed levity and dismissal to the other abuses that have happened in the past, it's not a surprising thing to me that they are going to do the same thing for sexual abuse. But one of the things I did want to bring out is that, you know, there is this difficulty for survivors um, from IHOP in which, you know, it's in particular for me where I 
had spoken up many, 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 many years ago, probably like seven years ago now. And now I see all of these new things coming out. You know, people are like, oh, we should sign petitions. Oh, we should do something about what's happening. And I'm like, a little bit too late, y'all. A little bit too late. People have been speaking. People have been saying things out loud for many, many years. And guess what? I'm concerned about those people because for the people who have spoken out for years and now this is starting to come out about Mike Bickle, they've been forgotten. They've been left, you know, and there are people who have left IOP and their lives have been destroyed. Their lives have been plagued with addiction, abuse. And lostness and like, to be honest, I'm not concerned about what's happening right now. I'm concerned about the people who are still trying to find their way. And I'm concerned about the people who spoke up and were ignored. Low key, there have been people who have been speaking about this, who have been ignored. Now we are paying attention. And so I want to shift the narrative who's thinking about us who's thinking about us who's talking about us for example you know there's been like recent events where people have reached out to me after i've been on your podcast and they've been like oh my god i'm so sorry about what you've been through i'm so sorry about like your experiences where were you where were those people when we were coming out? Where were those people when we created noise and they ignored us and they did the same thing as Mike did? They created silence. They created walls that didn't support. And they just let us figure it out on our goddamn own. Those are the people that the conversation is about. It ain't about Mike. It ain't about goddamn Stewart and fuck that bitch for real. So Stewart Greaves, his name is coming up a lot right now. He's IHOP's executive director and he's not responded to my reaching out. But last episode, we heard some of that audio of him and Gracia getting into a confrontation at IHOP a few weeks ago. So Stuart was one of the IHOP leaders who Gracia says mishandled her rape claim against a member of staff. And I heard from a few of you who were really curious about that recording, because another commonly asked question was what was said during that interaction that I didn't share in the episode. And honestly, there was a lot of that recording that I left out because it was hard to hear, number one, but it also included private information pertaining to other people who were involved with Gracia's claim. But I think that the sort of sticking point of the whole thing was that Stuart told Gracia that he remembers the handling of her complaint much differently. He says that he remembers telling her to go to police. Gracia has always maintained that they didn't, even if they did. Still a big fat mess, honestly. Deborah was there. That Sunday morning when Gracia and Stuart had the confrontation 
And we're about to hear from her about it again because she was actually on last episode talking about what it was like to be there to support Gracia in that moment. This episode, Deborah's joined by her husband, Kirk, for a little debrief. They fell in love when they were both IHOPers, and they are still happily married today. So since Gracia and Joe and I went to uh, talk with Stuart, be, you know, because of their invitation to come down and talk to us, like, we really want to hear from you all. Yeah, they didn't we're know here. They were yeah. And then, you know, three emotional women came up. Uh-oh. And poor Stuart, like, oh, poor that must guy. have been really hard for him to so have hard. to deal with three emotional women. So, yeah, that was, but, like, it was so hard to watch him lie to my face, you know? Like, I, it was, it was hard also because, like, when he recognized me at first, he genuinely seemed happy to see me and his I face lit up a little. yeah his face lit I mean you could see it in the video his face lit up a little and like my heart did kind of skip a beat because I mean I idolized him I he was I he's just the smartest like bible scholar and whatever but I it, it was devastating <laughs> to know that he could lie you know I I yeah. it, it yeah, yeah. It's and, just shattering. And he did. And he really did, just yeah. right there. Gracia right came to him with her, like, her ownership, her story. It's her story mm-hmm. of what happened to her. And he immediately said, oh, I remember it well. I told you to go to the police. Yeah, here's my scripted response. Yeah. I actually have been thinking about this frequently. Yeah, you as know. if, like, she has not been going through it. Her, right you know the last what how many years was it it's been know. over 10 years over or 10, almost yeah. 10 years yeah and he remembers it better than her yeah. because he's a scholar and a man of god yeah oh, who knows but man yeah, that guy that sucks was insane um and we started uh those like several days we were gaslighting ourselves yeah through the video that an audio we had of them going oh my gosh we're wrong yeah, that but we they were, were the wrong ones. They were so calm a, and like yeah. we were the upset ones, so we must have been in the wrong. Yeah. And they were calm and collected, so they were in control, which I mean they were in control of the scenario. It was a power move. For sure. Um this leads me to the, the next part, including Mike, because um I want to say the Mike Bickle that I remember. Mm-hmm would weep over the idea that there are casualties in the wake of his ministry. Mm -hmm. And I can't bring those two together Mm -hmm. to put that into one person. Like Mm -hmm. I, my mind can't process that. Like it's not a recent thing that suddenly happened. Like they're calling it a, a, a moral uh, a failure. Moral, yeah, a moral failure. Yeah. Purposefully and covering his tracks. Yeah. And I, I, I believe it, and my, my mind doesn't want me to. My yeah. heart doesn't want me to. Yeah. Which is really hard because I believe women. I believe yeah. victims. Yeah. And they're covering some shit up. Yeah. Side note: Thank you for being so supportive through all of this. Like, those guys suck. 
Are you thanking me or Tara Jean right now? Well, I'm thanking you, my husband. Oh, and you too, Tara Jean. So nice. Thank Tara you. Jean. But, Badass. Yeah. For real. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for listening. I'm Tara Jean Stevens. Everything with these allegations against Mike, it's a highly evolving story. So to keep up to date on new developments, including links to IHOP's most recent statement, leaked documents, and other Heaven Bent news, you can find Heaven Bent on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, X, and TikTok. I consider myself a witness to what's happening, but also an active participant in the efforts to reveal the truth, whatever that is. So I'll be back with another Season 4 bonus episode soon.